Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, I, I want to just say, you know what, it, it, it is, uh, it's good to see everybody at 11 o'clock because they, they, everybody was still sleeping at 9 o'clock. Anyway, I want to just begin this service, though, um, with a moment of silence for the hour of sleep that has forever gone missing for our lives that we'll never get back. But I, I don't care about daylight savings times that much. I just declare right now I'm ready to hear from God, and I'm ready to experience the presence of God. I'm ready. I, I want you to just say, I'm ready. Okay, I, I, if you want to express it, like, I'm ready to be touched by God. Just shout, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready to be healed by God. Just shout it. I'm ready, I'm ready to be lifted by God. I'm ready, I'm ready to be empowered by God. I am ready to be infused with hope from my God. Come on, say it louder. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to start a new series this morning. It's called uh, Figure Eight. And what I'm doing in this series is uh, we're going to just take some time to be in Romans chapter eight. And uh, the number eight's a great number. It's a good name for a series. I mean, people like uh, Kobe Bryant have worn the number eight in his first half of his career. And in baseball, people like Cal Ripken, Yogi Berra, and others worn the number eight. And uh, eight is a biblical uh, number. There were eight human beings on Noah's Ark, so eight's a biblically awesome number, and eight's a funny number. It's a funny number. Yeah, it's a funny number. I'll, I'll show you. Uh, what, did, what did the number zero say, uh, what, say to the number eight? Uh, the number zero said to the number eight, nice belt, dude. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and then the, 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 the pièce de résistance of all dad jokes, right? Uh, what? Why was eight afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine, man. Everybody knows. Where's my crashing symbol when I need it? Pastor Rick put me up to that. I just want to let you know right now. He told me I needed to say those things to you. And if you didn't laugh, it, then it's because of what he said. Okay, so we're going to jump into the scriptures in, in Romans. And I want you to get your Bible out now. And as I'm thinking about this moment, I think it's worth saying that we're living through some crazy times. And it's worth acknowledging it. Even though we've acknowledged it before, it's a good thing to acknowledge it again. It helps sometimes to just say it out loud. Yes, these are crazy times. And 2020 and pandemic and all of the social upheaval and all of that was already bad enough. And, and then you know, two weeks ago, all of a sudden, we're dealing with war, war, war in Europe. At, with a leader threatening to use nuclear armaments. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I started watching the news and I'm hearing about this and I'm going, no, 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 this can't be happening. Like, we already did enough hard stuff. We, we, we checked that box. Like, struggles and trials and hard things, we did all that enough. This can't be right. Let's rewind the tape. Let's not do this right now. 
But I will say the one good thing about all this conflict the last couple weeks is it seems to have erased even the memory of COVID all of a sudden. So there's that. That's good. But uh, all all joking aside, I mean, it's a hard thing. I mean, it's terrible what's happening. And and here we are paying the highest prices for gas and and, and groceries that most of us have ever seen. And meanwhile, on the other side uh, of the Atlantic, there are people by the thousands needlessly dying and suffering and and there's so much shaking in these last couple of years, it feels like there's been an acceleration of dramatic change in the world around us. And, and I have to be able to acknowledge that shifting and shaking and, and changing for what it is so that I don't end up giving in to the, the feeling of chaos because I don't have to. What I do want to give myself, though, is a foundation in the endless, infinite goodness of God. And so you take that number eight and you turn it on its side and it's the infinity symbol. And when I turn to Romans chapter eight, it's one of those places in the Bible where I just see a window right into the infinite goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I get to live in. And in times that are crazy like the ones we're in, what I wanna do is reestablish my life on that on the eternal and endless, infinite truth of God's word. And so we're going to take a month uh, to just read and be in Romans chapter 8 together. It's one of those parts of the Bible where almost every sentence, I find myself when I read it, just needing to stop for a second and take a breath and go, wow, (laughs) wow. So we're going to take some time to digest this whole chapter of scripture together over the next month. So I want you to open up your Bible to Romans 8. Go ahead and get there now or get your Bible app open at least to Romans 8. And while you're turning to Romans 8, here's the bird's eye view of the first seven chapters of Romans, just so that we jump in uh, with, with an understanding of where we're coming from. So Romans 1 begins with God clearly communicating his wrath against human sin. That's where it begins in Romans chapter 1. And in Romans 1, we see that God's wrath against sin is established. But just when we would start wanting to wag our pointy finger at, yeah, those people and their sin, then we get to Romans chapter 3 that says, all have sinned and and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody say all. All. And that includes me and you and everybody else we've known. All. It's not somebody else's issue. It's me that God was talking about. And the, the issue of sin is something that can be overcome. But then Romans 4 shows us that Abraham, old Abraham is the model for how? And it's the sheer faith of Abraham that is the model for us of how to live in victory that comes from God. Just believe in God. And then you get to Romans 5 and And we get this revelation that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That God wanted to do something about sin before we even knew sin was a problem. And he did it. And then you get to Romans chapter 6, and we find out that sin is deadly, spiritually deadly. In Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. And that's a revelation that we want to leapfrog over and maybe not even believe, but God says this is eternally true. The wages of sin is death. Sin is spiritually deadly. 
It isn't just some cute little funny something, something to mess around with is deadly. And then in Romans 7, we get this insight into the Old Testament, saying the Old Testament law had a purpose, and it was to show you what sin is so you'd be aware of it. And then you get to Romans 8. Romans 8. And in Romans 8, you get an invitation from God to live a different kind of life and to live in victory over sin. Yeah, the first seven chapters of Roman or, uh, Romans are all about sin and how, how fierce sin is. But you get to Romans 8, and it's an invitation to understand that the Holy Spirit is fiercely greater than the power of sin. And you get to live in it. Somebody say amen. <laughs> so I'm grateful. I, I love that God's word is, is clear about the danger of sin because God is saying, look, I, I designed the ride. And I'm telling you, when you do these loops, you're going to want that seatbelt tightened. And let's go. But let's go where I've intended. And so we get to Romans 8, and there's an invitation to, to, to live differently. But living differently starts with thinking differently. And we understand from uh, elsewhere in the scriptures in Romans that God's invitation is for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it begins here in Romans 8. And there's an invitation to cultivate a spirit-led mindset because what you think determines what you do and who you are and who you become to some extent. And so I want to do it. I want to cultivate a spirit-led mindset. I want to let God's word show me what that looks like and how to move in that direction. I want to leave sin and live a spirit-led life, don't you? And so this is the main idea of this message, just simply this. I live with a, a spirit-led mindset. I live with a spirit-led mindset. Would you just say this out loud with me? Say it, go. I live with a spirit-led mindset. I want you to just say it one more time. Say it. I live with a spirit-led mindset. This is the reality that you're going to get into in Romans 8. All of it, but especially in the first part of it. I live with a spirit-led mindset. What that means is I don't just do whatever I feel like doing. I don't just do whatever I have the urge in my body to do. I don't just do what everybody else says is okay. I live with a spirit-led mindset. That's the resolve I hope you'll have uh, as a starting point. In, in my view, that resolve is one of the keys to living a life of spiritual victory. Just simply changing your mind out of, I, I'm not giving in to whatever impulses I have in any given moment, but instead I'm learning to live with a spirit-led mindset. I want you to just say it one more time. I live with a spirit-led mindset. Say it. I live with a spirit-led mindset. Okay, now I'm going to jump into Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, so... Now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Everyone say us. 
fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. You are part of that us. If you've ever had a moment where you said, Jesus Christ, would you forgive my sin and save my life? So let me just ask this question. How many of you ever had a moment like that where once and for all you kind of said, Jesus, forgive me, save me? Come on, put your hand up for a second. Type it into the comments. Amen. Okay, this means you're part of the us. The us. What happened was when you said yes to Jesus, you were born again. You were made new and you were brought into God's family. The us that the scripture just described. But that us does life differently. That us doesn't just go with the flow of whatever the world says. That us doesn't just do whatever it just feels like it wants to do because it'll feel good. That us lives differently. That us lives a life following the Holy Spirit. And that's what you and me are made for, that kind of life. So in verse 4, let me read verse 4, but let me read verse 4 in the in the NIV, it's a little differently. And I grew up on this one, and I think it's important language. It says it like this. That us, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Everybody say, in us. That includes each one of us that's ever said yes to Jesus. Might fully be met in us. And read the next part of it out loud. Go. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit. Say that last part one more time. Say it. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is what you're made for. To learn how to live a life where you're following the spirit so you're not living according to the flesh, but you're living according to the spirit. If we're going to cultivate a spirit-led mindset, because we know that what we think determines what we do and therefore who we are and who we become. We need to recognize that there is a tension between who we were and who we are and who we're becoming. And when God in his word says, you know, you're part of the us, us who no longer follow the desires of the sinful nature, the desires of the flesh, God is like in a, in a, in a sense like a good father speaking about his son or his daughter. Here's what I mean. Um, some of you who are moms and dads, you can understand. Like a dad might say, my son, that's my son. My son is honest and my son is hardworking and my son is, uh, is really smart. And those are, as a dad, things I'm saying over about my son, right? But that doesn't mean that my son isn't gonna have some moments sometimes where he sleeps in till one in the morning. I'm not naming any names. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just saying it could ha possibly happen with somebody's son somewhere. And, and, and my son, uh, my son, when I say he's so intelligent. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have some times where he does some things that are really not that intelligent. You know what I'm talking about? But nevertheless, as a father, I'm gonna still say my son is honest, and my son is intelligent, and my son is hardworking. I'm going to say that about him. A good father is going to talk up his sons and daughters sometimes. You with me? And so we're part of this us that the scripture talks about. It says, who, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And I think that's, in a sense, our, our father talking us up. Or is it just me? who sometimes has some moments <laughs> where I don't, I don't know if I'm quite there. But this is the journey we're on. If we're going to cultivate a spirit-led mindset, we need to be able to recognize that there is tension, as I said before, between who we were and who we are and who we are becoming. 
And right at the core of that tension is the split between the spirit and the flesh. And in most every moment that we live through, there is either a way in which the spirit of God made new in us is saying, come this way. Or there's the flesh saying, mm, just get what you want. And the victory in the Christian life largely is realized right in that tension. Do I understand that this is the spirit or this is the flesh? And what am I going to do about it? Uh, this is something that, that needs to be understood. The flesh, when I hear the term the flesh, right, instantly what happens for me is I picture myself walking in the grocery store in the meat section and I'm looking at styrofoam packages of like chicken legs and, and, and prime rib and, and, and stuff like that, pork chops, like flesh. But the Bible, when it words, uses the word flesh, that's not what it's talking about. The word flesh in the biblical sense is referring to that whole collection of, of inclinations inside of us to just get ours, to get what we want, to just satisfy whatever cravings we possibly have, even if the Bible calls it sin, that's what the flesh is. And so for me to really change my mind and live with a spirit-led mindset, I have to be able to recognize that tension between the spirit and the flesh, okay? I have to, you must. And so here's what it looks like. Let me just describe it this way. So for example, I might have been at one moment uh, in the recent past been sitting on my couch with the TV on and a bag of chips next to me and a glass of iced tea over here. And then uh, maybe it could have happened that my wife might have said something innocent and simple like, hey, so are you going to hang those curtains? Uh, I really need you to hang those curtains. And when I hear those words, something happens inside of me. Right? <laughs> something happens. I'm just going to say, something happens. I'm sitting there, bag of chips hand in it, and all I hear is, you, hang curtains. And something inside goes, you know? And then in milliseconds, thoughts start firing off. And the thoughts are something like, doesn't she know that I just need to sit on my butt and enjoy these chips right now? You know, doesn't she know that I have a, a headache and I'm tired and uh, those kind of things start. I mean, with, I mean, in milliseconds, right there, right there. And in my own journey with, with God, I've, I mean, I've learned to, to kind of catch those things. And so I did not blurt out, woman, I'm going to do the curtains when I feel like it next week. Like, I did not say that. So therefore, World War III did not break out. Somebody can say, well done, right? And, and, and instead, I, I've, I've learned and continue to be learning in my life to recognize those moments for what they are. They are moments where whoosh, the tension is pulled the tension is pulled between the flesh and the spirit. And if I simply give in to the flesh, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> and so I'm learning and have learned to follow this, the leading of the spirit right in the moments of the tension. It's not just about church on Sunday. I mean, it's pretty easy to be in the spirit right here in church on Sunday. I mean, I don't think most of y'all are sinning right here and now. I don't think most of us are sitting here in our flesh. Most of us are generally leaning in the spirit. But where it matters is, is on Tuesday night when all of a sudden there's a moment that happens in your kitchen. And you need to be able to discern the moment. Ah, this is one of those moments. There's a tension emerging, and the tension is between the flesh and the spirit. And where are you going to go? Who are you going to follow? And, and the victory in the Christian life is won by following the lead of the spirit right in that moment. 
And, and so instead of blurting out whatever was on my mind about whatever I wanted, there's a, a, a quick, thanks be to the Holy Spirit, millisecond restraining mechanism that kicks in. And instead, my body begins to move and I stand up. I'm going to go ahead and get my tools right now. Curtains are going up, <laughs> right? So, so that's just a silly little example, right? But, but let's just play it out a little further. So you're sitting, you know, you're sitting in, a, in a work meeting around a, around a table with people that you, that you do work with, and there's a project everyone's working on, and somebody says something you don't like, and all of a sudden you just feel the inside, and then you just blurt out. You just raise your voice and start cussing at them and making them feel bad for that dumb idea that that they just shared. If you do that, that is the, the flesh. That's what that is. That is what that is. And you have to be able to take responsibility for it. You have to be able to say, I don't have to keep doing that kind of stuff. I just don't. I, I'm part of that us. The us who, who follows the spirit and not the flesh. I don't have to be the same grumpy old fool that I have been in years gone by. I can somebody just said, oh, that's a word. <laughs> I, I follow the spirit. So another example, you, you, you are, you know, you're sitting in, in your kitchen and, and your teenager comes in and, and begins to stand up all proud and say something so foolish you don't even want to repeat it. And in that moment, some parents, you know what I'm talking about, you stand up and you just begin firing off right back at them and, and, and you're, you're raging at them. In that moment, that is the that is the flesh. And if you could have recognized the tension for what it is, there's this tension, spirit, flesh. You can go a different way. You're sitting with a bunch of free time. You have a bunch of hours. Nobody's around. And you just swing the door closed. And you just start going ahead and looking at that porn on your device. That is the, <laughs> that is the flesh. And, and on and on it goes. But victory in our Christian life is about recognizing real time, moment by moment, the tension. The flesh with, with some kind of thing from the devil is pulling this way. But spirit is pulling me this way. Holy Spirit is saying, no, something different for you. And this is how you and I get to live. I live with a spirit-led mindset. Would you just say it? I live with a spirit-led mindset. I think what's helpful is to get used to asking a question. And the question that you can ask that's helpful is when a moment starts happening and you can feel that bristling inside of, I got to have this, I want this, and, or I'm going to say that. Ask this question. Does this seem like the spirit or the flesh? Yeah. I mean, just ask it. It's a guiding question. But try it on right now. Just say it with me. Does this seem like the spirit or the flesh? Like what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, does this seem like the spirit or the flesh? I want you to say it again. Say it. Does this seem like the spirit or the flesh? I want you to remember this moment. Really, I want you to let it make an imprint on you. And I want it to happen inside of you that on Thursday, when all of a sudden this tension pulls between the spirit and the flesh, and there's a temptation, or there's a challenge, or there's an angry you know, person or whatever, what are you going to do? Who are you going to follow? Does this seem like the spirit or the flesh, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do? And then sometimes it needs to be after the fact. 
did what I just do? <laughs> did, that seem, did that seem like the spirit of the flesh? And then reel it back in, take responsibility. Hey, hold on, hold on. What I just said was so wrong, I apologize. You can do that. But, but be the one. Let's be people who live with a spirit-led mindset. It changes everything. It really changes everything. Do you think if you could live with that question in mind, does this seem like the spirit of the flesh? Do you think if you actually followed the spirit in those moments that it might change the dynamic of your family? Do you think it might change the atmosphere in your marriage? Do you think it might affect positively how you are at work and the people who work with you? Do you think that might lead to more opportunities in the future because people begin to enjoy being with you rather than the alternative? Right, and so this is a way for victory in life. I live with a spirit-led mindset. Okay, I gotta keep reading. Romans 8, verse five, we continue. It said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Say this next verse out loud with me, go. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you're hoping your life will, will, will lead to? Isn't that the legacy you'd like to have for your kids? Isn't that the environment that you wanna see in your work? Life and peace. How do you get there? Following the spirit and not the flesh. So we got to recognize the tension, the spirit and the flesh tension. Following, letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. It never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. You know, this, this section of Romans 8, a couple of times it uses this idea, talks about this idea of pleasing God or not pleasing God. And I want to make sure that, that you and I understand something. When we give our life to Jesus and say yes to Jesus, we are accepted by God for all eternity on the basis of what Jesus did. We're forgiven. Our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and we're saved for all eternity. And it's a settled, done deal through faith in Jesus. You need to hear me on that? I don't ever get tired of repeating it. That's the gospel. And once we're in that position... Where we are saved, we're forgiven, we know we have a home forever in heaven. Guess what? We still have a bunch of years uh, to, to live here on planet Earth. And, and God looks at those years that we have as a time of opportunity. And it's an opportunity to grow in being people who exhibit more of his life and love. And to please him, who, who bring pleasure to our God. And here's what I think. Personally, I think... I love my God. I really do. I love God. I love God. I love God because he gave his one and only son for me so that I could be forgiven and set free and have a home for all eternity in heaven. I love my God. I love my God because in this world, he pours his strength into my life day after day. Even when I'm weak, he says, I got strength for you. I love my God because when I feel despair, just miraculously, mysteriously, he finds his ways of pouring hope back into my life. And I love 
love my God because when I don't feel like I have the strength to make it, he says, my strength's made perfect in your weakness. We're good. I love my God because he gives me this picture of a, of a mansion that is being prepared for me for all eternity in heaven. And I, I love my God because I live through this life being able to sense what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I love my God because he reassures me that I'm forgiven because his mercies are new every day. And I love my God so much that even though I don't have to, I want to please him. I want to. I want to, don't you? I mean, everything I just said about my love for God, is, I hope is true for you too. And the result is that I want to please him. I mean, he's so good to me. And I don't have to. I know that my salvation is a settled, done deal by what Jesus did for me. But I want to please my God. And, and so I think about what, what Romans 8 has just said here about pleasing God, and I find some direction. It's about having a mind, a mind that is set on the Spirit of God. And that might take some adjustments. Let me paint a picture this way. So uh, I like to listen to the radio in my car when I'm driving around town. And it's, an old, it's old school radio. It's not satellite, XM, whatever. It's just a regular old radio. And what that means is that in certain parts of town, in certain places, I lose the radio signal. And I'm like listening to the news or something, and I don't want to lose the signal. And I know by now, like all the actual intersections in our town where I'm going to lose the signal at certain spots. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so what happens for me is like the, one of them is the, the exit from the 15 freeway onto Cal Oaks. And, and, I, and I'll exit there and, and I know right there's where I'm going to lose the signal. So sometimes I'll stop my truck like five car lengths back from the one in front of me. And people are looking at me like, what's wrong with you? you so, I mean, come on, there's room. Go, go, go. But I'm like, no, 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 because I want to listen to this news. And, and the radio signal is going to drop if I keep going, right? Other times, other times, I want to keep that signal. So I get up close, and I'm like a, a safe distance from the car in front of me, but the signal's dropping. I'll push right up to like one inch to the car in front of me. That person's so irritated. But I need that signal, right? So I'm going to go. Other times, like I know the signal's about to drop, and I'll see the light is yellow, and I'm going to just gas it and get through that intersection so I can keep the signal from that radio station. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll make the adjustments. Why? So I can keep that signal. So I can keep my signal set on, on what I wanted to receive. And life is a little bit like that with regard to following the Holy Spirit. If you are, if you're going to have a mindset on following the Holy Spirit, there are moments where Holy Spirit is going to be moving in such a way that you're going to hold back. You're going to hold back a ways, quite a distance from what other people say. No, it's fine. Just keep going. And you're holding way far back. Nope, I'm not going there. Because I want to keep that, that setting on the spirit of God. Other times, you're going to be pushing. Pushing even others that are in front of you. Come on, come on, push, push. Why? Because you're, you got your mind set on the spirit of God, controlled by the spirit of God. And so you're pushing a little differently. Other times, you, you, you see an intersection and you're not stopping at that intersection because it's death for you. And so you're going to just keep going right on through that. You're not settling for something here. And this is life in the spirit. You're moving, you're moving, you're making some adjustments that maybe other people wouldn't make, but it's leading to you experiencing the life you actually want. Life and peace kind of life. Somebody say amen. Like this is what we get to have the hope for. It's what we're able to receive from our God. So Romans 5, 
uh, or sorry, Romans 8, verse 5, in the NIV in particular. In the NIV, it says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. I think it's time for that, that old school song. Somebody older than me might help me remember it. I got my mind set on you. I'm not even going to even continue it. It's just too cheesy. I can't do it. I won't do it. I want to set my mind on the spirit of God. And I want to live a spirit-led life. I want to recognize the, the moments of tension between the flesh and the spirit for what they are and, and call it out. That's the flesh. Not in other people. That's not what we're talking about. That's your flesh. No, 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 no. I'm talking about looking in the mirror moment by moment. What I'm about to do, what's happening right now, that's the flesh. And that's not who I am. I am someone who lives a spirit-led life. So I don't go that way. I'm not, I don't have to give in to it. The revelation of Romans 8 is that sin has lost its power to control me. The moment I gave my life to Jesus, I became somebody different with a new capacity to live in a different realm. And it's the realm of the Spirit of God leading me into life and peace. And I am a, a willing participant in that. I'm not a puppet. You're not a puppet. You can never expect that God is just going to puppeteer you to make you do everything right. You're not a puppet. You're a son, a daughter with freedom. And yeah, freedom to, to mess things up <laughs> if you just give in to the flesh. And listen, if you think about like in the last week, any bad thing that ended up taking place, at some level, the flesh was a part of why it ended up that way. The more you and I can learn to distinguish between the flesh and the spirit, the more victory we're going to have in this life with Jesus. And the more life and peace we're going to experience as we hope for. So I want to share with you just three ways that you can cultivate a spirit-led mindset. Three ways, just rapidly. Three ways to, to cultivate a spirit-led mindset. Because you are an active participant in how this happens. It's not magic. It's you thinking and choosing in moments, real time, spirit, not flesh. But here's a few things you can do to cultivate that mindset. First of all, replace the lies with the truth. Replace the lies with the truth. Replace the lies we believe with the truth. I mean, when you start reading the Bible, if you just read the Bible from the very beginning, first few pages, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you get introduced to the devil. And the devil doesn't come along with a pitchfork and a red suit. The devil comes along with lies. Did God really say that? You don't really need to follow what God says. Like my little devil interpretation. I didn't use any particular accent, so nobody's feelings should be hurt. Like, if you're from the South, you're okay. If you're from England, you feel fine. Like, sometimes I get in trouble with people, believe it or not. Why did you make that accent a Southern accent? That insulted the people of the South. I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, man. People are too tender right now in this current thing. That's all. Replace the lies with the truth. Place the lies with the truth. You, you wake up feeling, uh, I, I'm so unworthy. I'm so, I don't deserve to be loved. And then God's word comes along in John 3, 16 with the truth to replace it with, which is, no, God loved this world, including you, so much that he gave his one and only son for you. 
You find yourself in a moment uh, you know, feeling like, man, I'm just not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not strong enough or whatever not enough you want to say. And you replace that lie, and it is a lie, with the truth. Psalm 139, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You replace that lie with the truth. You, you find yourself uh, thinking, man, I messed things up so bad. I don't think there's any future for me. I don't think there's anything good that can ever happen again in my life. That's a lie. And the truth would be Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, no, I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and a future. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, so you and I need to be, just grow in our own capacity to catch the lies that try to set up residence in our thought patterns, stop them in their tracks, and replace with the truth. That brings life and freedom. So replace the lies we believe with the truth. That's one way to cultivate a spirit-led mindset. And... Uh, number two, reject the tendency to meditate on sin. We do it. We, we do this. We inadvertently or sometimes we just do, we meditate on sin. We think about what she did to us and we're going to get her back. And the next time I see her, I'm going to let her have it. I'm going to tell her, well, how, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. And what am I doing? I'm just meditating on sin. Like how I'm going to express rage, you know? That is, that's not going to help me have a, a spirit-led mindset. To cultivate a spirit-led mindset, uh, I, I need to reject that tendency to meditate on sin. Meditate on what is evil. How am I going to do that? Third thing is, the, I think, maybe one of the magic keys of the kingdom. And that is to reset right thinking through the cross. Reset right thinking through the cross. Here, here's how you do it. Picture, picture Jesus. Jesus with his hands outstretched and the nails pierced through, hands and feet, and imagine him in his agony. And, and imagine in those nails, like right in the nails, all of the sin of all humanity for all eternity, past, present, and future, including yours and mine, just thrust there into his being. And, and imagine him in that moment just speaking these words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And imagine, he's, he's thinking about me and you in his pronouncement of forgive them. And imagine him in that moment taking into his very being all of your sin and shame and guilt and the shadiness of it all. He's taking it in and, and, and he's paying for it for you. And, and in that moment, he says, as he's paid the price, he says, now it is finished. Jesus says that about his payment for your sin. And if you could just picture that, and then begin to say the words as you're thinking of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me the gift of forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. It's kind of hard to find yourself thinking about the cross and saying, thank you, Jesus, while still nursing that nasty old sin idea that you were working on. Do, do you see how you can, you can come to the cross at any moment and it's a perfect reset for your mind. I hope you do it. Somebody say amen. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Romans 8, 9 through 11, it says, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. The biggest lie of the devil is to try to get you to think that you are. I just, I'm, just, I'm just wired this way. I just, this is how I've been ever since I was a kid. I just, I just do that. God's looking at you saying, but you've been born again. You're not that same person anymore. 
And, and sin doesn't control you anymore. You may have struggle with it. You may have a battle to overcome, but it doesn't control you anymore. Hear it again, verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all, and Christ lives within you. So even your body will die because of sin, but the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. This changes everything. It changes everything. If I'm just left to my own devices and salvation is just about going to heaven one day when I die, then that's a different thing. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not only about I go to heaven one day when I die. The gospel is about what God wants to do to redeem you in this lifetime and to build you up different in this lifetime, that you can live in the spirit in this lifetime as a display to your kids that the life-changing power of God is real, that you are made for something different. And it all is based on this truth that we just read. Let me say it again, verse 11, uh, just the first part of it. Not, Romans 8, 11, I want you to say it with me. I want you to read it strong. Romans 8, 11, you can repeat it after me. This, say it now. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Say it one more time. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, I want you to just put your hand on your heart for a second. I mean, you don't have to. If you don't want to and it's uncomfortable for you, you don't have to feel forced into this <laughs> moment. But I want you to, if you'd like to, to put your hand on your heart. And I want you to read this verse again. But this time, personalize it. It's not about somebody else somewhere in some Bible land. It's about you. And would you just say it with me? Ready? Go. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Lives in me. It changes everything. It really does. It changes everything. So I had a, a surgery last week, and so I've got like, you know, 25 or 30 stitches in two places in my leg. So if, if I look like I'm hobbling or moving slow, that's why. But in order to get this surgery, I had to do a, a doctor's appointment uh, for a, a, what, what's called a pre-op clearance, where you, your regular doctor has to clear you for takeoff and surgery. And uh, so one of the things they had to do was they had to uh, do an EKG on me. And that's where they, you know, hook you up to all these snaps all over your body and then uh, whiz, bang, boom, measure some things, and it's done. It's very fast, painless. But then they give you this printout, this pink paper that, to me, it looks like an earthquake report, like seismic you know, lines. I don't even know what it is, right? But uh, they, they handed me this paper, and, and I'm like, well, what does it mean? <laughs> am, I, am I in trouble? Is it okay? Like, I don't know what this means. And, and then the doc came in, or the PA, and said, well, yeah, no, it, it, you know, the, you're, you're okay, but there's a problem. That's not what you want to hear. And uh, so the problem is that your heart rate is a 47, and it should be like a 65 to 85. That's the range we're looking for. And uh, your heart is, is too slow. <laughs> so they were about to say, we're not going to let you go get a surgery because your heart rate's too slow. But they got a consult from, from a, car a cardiologist uh, who reviewed the EKG and my file. And the, the cardiologist, just you know, one question. How, tell me about this young man, which I was pleased to be regarded that way. Tell me about this young man. Does he, is, he, is, he, is he physically fit? And of course, the answer was, well, yeah, he says he works out you know, five or six times a week. And, 
And the doc's like, well, okay then, he's fine. Let him get the surgery, right? <laughs> because the heart rate was too slow because I'm doing the right things. Like I'm working my heart a lot in, in others. So it's just able to, it's able to be totally chill, <laughs> generally. So <laughs> what I'm saying is that doing the right things, the exercise and whatnot, has affected my heart in a good way so that it, it actually is functioning differently and then that actually shows up in the EKG that someone else can see. In your spiritual life, your walk with Jesus Christ is meant to be a little bit like that. It's not just once a week kind of thing. It's, it's five, six Let's just say seven days a week, you're, you're walking with Jesus. You're paying attention to the tension moments, and you're leaning into the direction of the Spirit and not just settling for, well, I just feel like doing it. I'm just that way. It's just part of who I am. No, I'm leaning into the direction of the Spirit more and more. And because of that, it's evident to the people around me that my heart has been changed and is changing even more. You know, one of the things I'm always so grateful for is that in my own family, that the big picture, uh, I, I have a big picture story where when I was a little kid, my dad was one way, and I just won't get into the details, but let's just say a lot of anger and that kind of thing, but he came to know Jesus Christ for real and sometime in his, I think, late 40s, and then I got to see him change, and he became somebody different with a softer heart a gentler heart, a, a, an ability to, to speak with wisdom that came from somewhere else, a, a little bit less reactionary than before. He wasn't throwing his canes at me anymore. I mean, maybe that was because I wasn't a teenager anymore too, but the, the, so you, you can laugh. It's okay. I meant that in a funny way. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, should, should we report this? It's, no. <laughs> but I got to see a, a, a heart changed over this broad span of time. I want that for every one of you that your kids will one day be able to say, you know, I saw, the, I, saw the, I saw the change. Like the EKG report was visible. Your kids, may they see that you are changing because of following Jesus. But there's not an autopilot. It's about you, moment by moment, going, there's that tension again. Spirit, flesh. And your resolve is, I live with a spirit-led mindset. Would you say that one more time? I live with a spirit-led mindset. One more time, say it. I live with a spirit-led mindset. That's who I am. I used to be a total given to the flesh all the time kind of person. It's not who I am anymore. I might still have some stumbles. I might still mess up sometimes, but more and more often, I'm growing to have my spiritual eyes open. I see that tension. And I go with the spirit. I live with a spirit-led mindset. I want to just wrap up with the way I started. Romans 8.1. It says in Romans 8.1, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You're no, no condemnation, no condemned to hell, no condemned to shame, no condemned to guilt, no condemned to keep on repeating the same foolishness again and again, no condemned to permanent addiction status, no condemned to being possessed by the devil, no condemned to being inhabited by demonic spirits, no condemned to a life of slavery to sin, no condemnation. Amen. Come on, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus question for you right now. 
Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Raise a hand if you would say, I do. I do. I do belong to Christ Jesus. Keep your hand up. I'm not asking you, are you perfect? Have you done everything right all the time? Have you measured up? Have you been religious enough? That's not what the equation is about. It's about, do I belong to Christ Jesus or not? Like, that question answers everything. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You can put your hand up. It's so good to belong to Christ Jesus. It changes everything. When I belong to Christ Jesus, I know that, that I am set free. I'm set free from sin's power to control me. I am set free from having to always, only, ever just do whatever my flesh says. I'm free from that. I belong to Christ Jesus. I'm empowered to live differently. And I might not be hitting a 10 all the time, but I, generally the trajectory is moving ahead and up and to the right because of God's work inside of me. What a good thing to belong to Christ. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Yes, there should be conviction, conviction of ways that there's some correction that needs to happen. But no condemnation. No condemnation. So for so many of us, we could answer the question, do you belong to Christ Jesus with a hand raised because we know where we stand. And we stand as one who belongs to Christ Jesus, not by virtue of, man, I checked more boxes. I've been better than others. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's simply, I said yes to Jesus. I asked him to forgive my sin and save my life. You know, Jesus in Matthew 24, he, he was talking about what we call the end times. And, and he forecast so much of what we see actually taking place. I mean, he talked about there would be wars and rumors of wars and famines and diseases and earthquakes and false messiahs. I just saw a picture in the news this morning of Elon Musk with a Superman letter on his chest and he was going to go save the world. I'm not saying that that's Matthew 24 fulfillment, but Jesus was pointing to a time when everything would be shaking totally shaking and shifting and an acceleration taking place that's not altogether good if you've read your scriptures. And in those kinds of times, it becomes incredibly important to, to come back to the reality of, of living a life founded on God's unshakable kingdom. And for every one of you who's a believer, you raise your hand, I belong to Christ Jesus. Then today in this Romans 8 is a, is a pull back into more and more living like it, living it out, living in the tension and following Jesus, following the spirit, living with that spirit-led mindset. But for somebody else today, I just want this to be the moment for you of salvation, the moment of finally asking Jesus to forgive your, your sin and save your life. He offers that gift. And so I want us to pray together and ask him to... Uh, to do something in this moment. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you, God, that in the midst of a time where everything is shaking and going crazy, that we have something that is so powerful, the unshakable kingdom of God. I'm so grateful, God, that, that it's almost like we get to live inside of this uh, protected zone, almost like that iron dome that Israel has to live within. Even in the midst of it all, you're a protection for us. You're a foundation for us. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for that. I thank you for so many as we gather that we could easily lift our hands and say, yeah, I do belong to Christ Jesus. 
Thank you for that, God. We never take it for granted. The only way that that's possible is because of the beauty of the gospel, that any human being could just say, Jesus, forgive me, and that you just would, even though we didn't do anything to deserve, deserve it. You just would forgive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just say it with me. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I belong to you. Whew, God, I'm so grateful I belong to you. Oh, God, I'm so grateful I belong to you. Uh, somebody else, if you're here today or you're watching online and the truth is you just don't know where you stand with God, I want you to be able to also say, I know that I belong to Christ Jesus. And the way that happens is through you in a moment in time saying yes to Jesus, asking him to forgive your sin and save your life. No one forces this on you, but you have an opportunity right now to receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins, salvation in Jesus Christ. And while we're praying together, if you're saying, I think I need to do that, I want to do that, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me, then right where you're sitting, outside on the patio or in this venue or in your own space at home online, if you're saying, I need Jesus, right now I want you to raise your hand. If you're saying, I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life, and lift it again and keep it up, I want to make sure I connect with you. In the middle, on my left, on my right, in the back. And if there's anyone else, don't let me miss you. I want to make sure I see you up in the top and the left. And if you're online, I just want you to type in and say, I want to say yes to Jesus. And now, those of you who had a hand raised, would you pray with me? This is a moment to ask Jesus for his gift that he offers for free to you. And would you just pray with me? That means you talk to him, talk to God for a moment and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin? Just say that with me. Jesus, would you forgive my sin? Save my life. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. you. You could all say that with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you bore the, the sin of all the world so I could be forgiven. And Jesus, I believe that you conquered death so I could really live. And Jesus, thank you for coming into my life and being my Lord. I'm yours from here on out. I'm yours. Help me to live your way, to live with that spirit-led mindset from here on out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for uh, two or three brothers or sisters just today saying yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's stand up together. And as you're standing, I want you to continue to pray with me just for just two, two more minutes. Just stay in the presence of God with me. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for the stuff going on in our world. And even though we understand from Matthew 24, you forecast these kinds of things, that nevertheless, Lord, we want to pray for what's happening in Europe, and we pray, God, in particular, that that, that uh, conflict would come to a swift end. That is what I'm praying for. And where the devil wants to stir up, let's get all afraid and riled up in World War III, I say no to that. No, 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 no. I'm not giving in to that. I don't agree with that. I'm agreeing for this conflict to be ended swiftly. I'm asking for that, God. I'm just asking for that, for this conflict to be ended swiftly. Lord, we pray for protection. We, there's like all these Christian brothers and sisters that are living where their place got bombed or they're fleeing their city because it got bombed and now they're refugees wandering in, in Moldova or, or Poland. And Lord, right now we want to pray for brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters right now for protection, Lord, where some of them are right now, literally right now, like hunkered down, like under a piece of concrete, just like hoping that that next bomb doesn't come their way. We pray for a deflection 
that, that, that those things would, would be duds or just wouldn't even make it to them, that they would be protected. And God, we pray for the ones that are refugees and now they're, they're like in some other country and they don't even have food. Lord, I pray that you would allow other believers to rise up and bring their food and to bring the provision and to make a space. God, I, I pray for that to happen. And Lord, even though it's not happening in our part of the world right now, we're praying for peace for those ones that this is affecting and bring it to a swift end, God, to a swift end, God. And I pray also, Lord, for every one of us who, who had a hand raised to say, I belong to Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us a heart to, to stand in the world, wherever we work, wherever we play, whatever we're doing, with an evidence of the love of Jesus that shows, like that EKG report I got that showed that the heart was was different. God, I pray for every one of us that, God, you just set us on fire wherever we go to evidence and show and demonstrate the love and goodness of Jesus. God, flow your kingdom through us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.